everybody, I'm Chris and with me is Matt and we're slowing down to better connect with the stories and the people around us between the miles. Matt, good to see you, my friend. How are things going in your neck of the woods? Uh, things are great, man. I'm really excited uh, for this week's guests. Um, as you and I behind the scenes uh, have been talking about how do we get specific with some of the creative people that we're having on here so that you know it doesn't feel like um, we're getting down one path or another. Um, so why don't you tell people a little bit about our guests because I'm super excited, but uh, I know that the connect comes from you. Yeah, I know, uh, definitely. And just to um, just clarify that for, for people, uh, Matt and I, with this show, want to figure out, not just have guests on to talk to them about like the way they connect, but even talk about different styles of connecting. That's why a couple of episodes ago, you know, we, we shared things that we were thinking about on a run. We've talked about Mother's Day, you know, things like that. And so uh, the group that we have on today is actually an improv group called Mouth Stuff. And uh, um, uh, actually, Matt, I didn't realize this when I was reaching out to one of the members. I, I didn't realize I, I knew actually a couple of the members. So uh, Topher, uh, who is a, a good friend of uh, mine and uh, someone that um, is connected to the show because his wife, Frankie, and his mother-in-law, Rena, uh, they were on uh, our, our show when we talked about Storia Studio and, and, and what's in a story and everything like that. So definitely uh, uh, check out that episode. Uh, for sure but he and i were talking at an event and um we connected actually over wrestling which i'm not a huge wrestling fan but i'm just always fascinated by it and then uh it led into a conversation about improv and one of the things we'll mention in the show is that i was a part of an improv comedy troupe in college and uh you know i was telling matt and we're like well let's just have a couple people from the troupe uh, on the show and so um on this episode it's not just topher but uh genevieve and uh daniel and matt uh, Jen and I actually go way back because her family uh, is a part of the church that I used to work at and um, her sister uh, Celeste uh, was a part of my youth ministry and um, you know I have connections to all of her siblings and, and she's she's been a part of events so that was really cool to catch up with her. Uh, Daniel though we met for the first time not to take anything away from him but um, I'm really excited for people to hear the show because this was just a fun conversation Anytime we get to talk about com comedy, right? It's completely fun. Yeah, and and uh, what I'm most excited about is to see where it takes us, right? Like, you know, improv, you could go in a number of directions, at least based on my understanding. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So without further delay, here are our guests from Mouth Stuff, Improv Comedy Troupe. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Um, Matt, you know, this is, uh, um, before I, I jump into talking to all these people here, this is the first time we've had a multi-multi-group uh, show. So, uh, you ready for this? Yeah, we. I think the most we've ever done is two. We're up mm -hmm. to three now. Um, I don't know if we want to press it further than that, but I'm really excited about the, the team that we have here today. Awesome, awesome. And uh, I'm gonna just uh, say hello first to uh, not just all of our guests, but Topher, who, um, as we mentioned in the intro, is uh, the husband to Frankie, uh, and Frankie and Rena, who were on um, our uh, previous episode, uh, which you definitely have to check out. But Topher, how's it going, my friend? It's going great. Yeah, um, also, I appreciate, I don't feel like I get to be introduced as husband of Frankie enough like that is <laughs> I consider that my primary 
career uh, <laughs> and vocation, and nobody talks about it enough. So I, I, I really thank you for that. Not a problem. Not a problem. I mean, that's that's the only way I know you, you know, and uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to learning more about you beyond that. But no, I'm just joking. Topher, <laughs> it's uh, funny. I should. Well, Matt, actually, I should have introduced him as former roommate to Father Evan, uh, you know, Ponton, oh, yeah. you know, would, would you have appreciated that a little bit better? <laughs> Topher. Oh, as oh me yes, I, oh, <laughs> roommate of Father Evan. Okay, so uh, yeah, I Evan or Father Evan is uh, a great priest, a wonderful man. Um, so happy we're not roommates anymore. I love that. I love that man to death. Um, I I hope one day he gets to baptize my children, but uh, you you're not gonna if if I have a vanilla coke in the fridge. I'm not going to have a vanilla Coke in the fridge. Mm -hmm. There you go. There you go. There you go. Um, sorry, Matt. Uh, a couple of insider uh, jokes there for everyone, but that's the point of connection. So just to bring everyone up to speed. So for you and I have known uh, each other a couple of years uh, for a couple of years, we were talking, you know, a couple of weeks ago about Frankie and Rena's episode. And, um, you know, I came to, we came to connect over wrestling uh, but most importantly, we came to connect over improv. And Matt, I don't know if I've shared this on the show, my history with improv, but I thought it would be great to have Topher on. And then we talked about bringing the whole group. And so Topher, why don't you introduce who is with you and then uh, people who are with you, <laughs> with him, <laughs> feel free to introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about what you do and, and, uh, and, and then we'll go from there. So Topher, passing it on to you. Okay, great. Um, so... Uh, we are mouth stuff. Uh, with us today, we have uh, the lovely Genevieve O'Keefe. Hi, Genevieve. Hello. Uh, and we also have the amazing uh, and talented Daniel Costa. How are you doing, Daniel? I'm doing very well. How are you, Topher? I'm, I'm just great. We, uh, we don't have the whole team with us. Uh, we uh, have two other members, Sarah and Darren, that uh, they've got like, like jobs or something. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> That they couldn't be here to record uh, with us, but they are uh, just as vital to the mouth stuff machine yeah. as we are. Awesome, awesome. So, um, since the other uh, crew, part of the crew have jobs, uh, Genevieve and Daniel and Topher, why don't you explain to everyone what you guys do um, before we jump into all the improv stuff? So let's uh, let's let's start with the lady, Genevieve. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm a freelance graphic designer as a career, which sometimes does feel like I don't have a job, but I do. I do. I do it. Um, I do web design, logos, um, kind of whatever the project needs, which is which is really fun. Um, other than that, I do a lot of improv. Yeah, that's most most of my life is those two things, plus family and friends. But nice, nice. Yeah. How about you, Daniel? So I, I don't want to put any false rumors out there. I, I do have a job. I just currently am not there. Uh, I work for the UM School of Pharmacy as an academic coordinator. Uh, but right now I am on vacation. Uh, so that is why I am able to join and speak with you guys today. Nice. Oh, nice. Where, where, where are you at right now? Right now I'm in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, so my partner and I took a trip to the West coast. We started in San Francisco and we're kind of just slowly working our way up to Seattle, kind of like stopping and hiking and doing things along the way. 
Awesome. Are, are like, do you, as you go up the coast, do you, do you have people that uh, you guys are connecting with at this point? We have seen uh, a friend or two, and I think we will see a friend in Portland. And then my partner has family in Seattle. We'll connect with them there. But aside from that, it's just been the two of us. Yeah. 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 Uh, we've got family in Portland. That's the only reason, you know, I started to right? like you start to think about like, oh, who do I know out that way? Right. And, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm envious. Uh, that's certainly a trip I, I want to be able to take with with my family. And, uh, you know, it's nice to have both. Right. Not know anyone in certain spaces and then know people, you know, from from uh, from from each spot. But, you know, it's funny uh, as I'm really quickly jumping in because uh, we're, we're finding a rhythm here. You know, there's there's one point and one question that I have. And, and the first is. Uh, Tover, as you were talking about being husband to Frankie, I could not help but visualize uh, all of the Christmas parties that I went to for my wife's profession. And like she'd come to mine and, and it would be like, oh, Lane, how you doing? Right. Because we had a much smaller circle and a much smaller group. I'd go to theirs and it'd be like this massive party because she worked in a school. And it's like, oh, you're Lane's husband. <laughs> right. Like I didn't even have a name or a label or anything like that. And, and so uh, that re- that really resonated with me as I as I was listening. Yeah, I think we um, um, I think uh, Frankie and I both uh, would probably describe ourselves as uh, terminally online in terms of social media. Like we're just there all the time. We're posting a lot, uh, partly because it's her job to be posting a lot. Um, but we just enjoy social media. So I think a lot of people see both of us on social media and we post about each other uh, a lot. And so uh, we get like this weird reaction when we go to parties, uh, whether it's her friends or my friends, people being like, oh my gosh, we love how much, we love what you guys post. We see you guys post online all the time. And I'm like, do we post that much? Like, and it kind of gives me a little bit of anxiety about it. but I'm like, oh no, our posts are cute as hell. I, that's <laughs> definitely, definitely, yeah, could definitely agree with that. So there's like six people, and and uh, is it a group? Is it a troop? Like, how do you guys, how do you guys uh, refer to yourselves? Yeah, there's five of us right now. Um, we do call ourselves a troop, but team is fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> Why don't you why don't you talk us through right like okay. uh, the beginnings of Mel stuff uh, right There's five people now like where'd you guys start and, and how did that uh, had that start to blossom for you? Um, so we all started taking improv like two and a half ish years ago and uh, you start off in like 101, 201, 301. It's like a level of of uh, classes and we all most of Mel stuff came together in 101 couple of us popped into 201 but we all just clicked and you're you're in this early stage of improv it's extremely vulnerable you're mm. definitely like scared of being on stage and on the spot and it's intimidating and so all of us were just in this state together and and had so much fun um hanging out and and making each other laugh and we just stuck together ever since it's been awesome yeah, I also I think there was also like an element of uh, like 
we're all people in our uh uh like late mid mid to late 20s early 30s kind of thing and we, you're just like in a city and you're like oh let's make friends and like that's just a great opportunity to like have some slightly forced friendships of like oh we're in an improv class together and i'm somebody that likes to like i want to like hang out and and talk with people a lot and one of the things i think that really got us together is karaoke yeah like we would go to karaoke night after class uh, a lot of times because it just happened to line up with with the classes that we were taking. Uh, and that was, I think that was where we really formed a lot of our yeah. friendships is just seeing each other go up, sometimes bomb, uh, mostly me bombing. <laughs> and then sometimes people absolutely crushing it that you're like, I didn't know Darren could sing that well. Yeah, yeah. We used to call Topher our social manager, social manager or yeah. Yeah. I, I think that was, yeah, I was, I was our, I was our events coordinator. Yeah. Cause he was, he would just always rally the troops. It would be like after a show, we still like, or a uh, practice class, we're still in practice classes mm-hmm. and um, we'd all be like nervous. Like we don't really know each other. Like, do we hang out? Do we leave? Do we like putz around? And Topher would be like, let's all go to Frazier's. And we, uh, we would. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, it, it, it really, uh, a couple of things that I've been hearing, which I think is really cool is, uh, you know, Topher, you mentioned that you got involved because you wanted to meet people and everything. Genevieve, you were talking about how there was like this, do how do we really connect? Because with improv, unlike other comedy genres, it really is about relationships and connecting and reading off of people um, and things along those lines. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about you know, how, like, all right, so it's going to karaoke. That's, that's one way. But um, for those who are not familiar with improv, right, maybe they've seen it, whose line is it anyway? And maybe that's it, right? Or maybe they think back to office episodes where, you know, Michael Scott, like, is trying improv and just (laughs) totally bombing at it, which I hate that because it gives improv such a negative uh, connotation. But tell us a little bit about, like, how does one prepare for improv? Like, how does one grow and become better um, connected with the the troupe and, and fellow team members? I don't I don't know about prepare. I to me, I see improv as just the most present thing you can be doing, uh, which is um, desirable for some people, myself included. You really just have to be there and you have to be listening and you have to be with your scene partner and your improv troupe. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just one of the most vulnerable things. I think that's why the, the ties that bond us, um, we just all did this incredibly vulnerable thing and we we're all just tied to each other because of it. Yeah, t- talk a little bit more about that vulnerability, Daniel, like, like, Absolutely. Uh, Be more vulnerable about the vulnerability, please. (laughs) No, I mean, not just, I mean, from the very first class you're in, I think, Topher, you remember there was like 20, 30 some people in our first class. I had never met a single one of them before. And you're asked to just basically act in a way that you would never act in front of a group of strangers. And from that first class, you kind of just like, all right, I have to let all of my insecurities go. And just be vulnerable to this group of people. 
some of them left, but like some of them stuck and I'm in a group with some of them. But I mean, it, aside from classes, you know, uh, every class ends with a show that you put on in front of people and just the feeling of behind stage before you go out on that first like one on one show is just you, you, you can feel the tension with a with a, it's like palpable because most people are not often on stage. Like you're, it's not a part of your brain that normally gets turned on yeah. or has exercise. And it's, a, and it's an entirely different part of your brain where you're like, here you are on a stage or a pedestal in front of a bunch of people. And the expectation is to just be funny. And it's like, is the, your logical brain doesn't work as, as well. You're like, normal um list like you really have to listen because you're so distracted by like being on stage um so it, it's a whole different yeah big world that we're all stepping into yeah i also I feel like think we're paying oh, go go ahead. Ahead. <laughs> um i also think that like there's um there's like two separate paths that people are on to get to improv like I think there's some people that just they're taking improv classes because they want to get better at public speaking or they want to just um, like feel more comfortable around people or just get to know people. Mm -hmm. And then there's people that are like, I am funny and I should be on stage and uh, people deserve to hear my humor. And like both of those end up becoming very vulnerable because the, the one path like they were just in it to get to know people and, and kind of grow a little bit. Now they have to perform. And then the other side is like, yeah, you aren't actually as funny as you realize. And you trying to actively be funny is like harming the scene and making it less enter entertaining. Um, which I, I was definitely on that path of like, I want to tell jokes. And um, then I realized that, oh my gosh, the people that are just there to like, kind of grow as people are like I think putting themselves like in it more and being more present and uh that was that was definitely like a vulnerability point for me it's funny because I could identify with that I'm like sitting here I'm like well would I be both and then I realized that I came to like I came to the self right reflection that I'm not as funny as I think I am like I completely we had this group thing R real quick. It was uh, uh, one of our, our friends got married and his, you know, his wife or soon to be wife had asked us all to get up and say something. And I was like second to last to go. And I was terrible. Like I rambled on forever and I thought I was being funny and it like maybe started funny, but at a certain point, like, I, you know, the proverbial hook needed to be like pulled in. And, um, and so like, as I'm, as I'm hearing about that, I'm like envisioning like, oh, what would it be like? And, and I think going down the pathway, the first one where you just um, are going in to figure out more about yourself, right. Or, or get better or be a better active listener. I could see how that would be the path to success. Right. And so what, you know, I'll start with um, Daniel what was your inspiration for, for like initially taking the class? So I, I mean, to go back to Topher's analogy, I was sort of, I was definitely like in both camps. Like I, I thought I had a comedic funny voice. I didn't necessarily want to assert it that much, but I also was just, Hey, I want to be, I want to find a community of people who also kind of sort of think they're funny. Uh, 
and I, so I, I originally took classes in 2016 and I did two classes and then quit because I was afraid <laughs> and I, I was afraid of the vulnerability, but thankfully, I'm so thankful I yeah. started it again because I got to meet these lovely people. Um, and he, I, I forget the original question, but um, yeah, it's, it's, I feel like we're painting improv in a little bit of a scary light. I don't want to, if anyone's listening to this and you're considering doing it, like it is one of the most rewarding things you can do. And I promise you that you can do it and it's not as hard or as scary as we're making it seem. Uh, they, the, the classes we did, at least you could probably find classes that probably would explain it similarly. It's broken down in such a way that your logical brain will be able to make sense of it and you you will be able to succeed I, I promise you like it's there it's the way I explain it to people is it's basically we're all playing a game whenever you see improvisers on a stage we're all playing like a game of monopoly together we all know the rules of the game so we're all able to like insert our voices uh but like the audience may not know the rules and they'll be like, how did you do that? How did you remember all these things? And it's like, well, it's, it's conditioning and it's practice and you'll pick that up from going to classes. That's awesome. That's awesome. How about, how about you, Jen? Uh, what drew yeah. you into improv? I was on the public speaking route. I was looking for public speaking classes. I wanted to work on like my presentation skills for work and um all the public speaking classes that I was seeing were like college courses. They're really expensive. It just wasn't working out. And someone recommended improv to me. And I said, that sounds way more terrifying than public speaking. So um, I guess that's what I have to do. And I thought it would be like a one class thing and I'd be out of there, like back to presenting design stuff. Um, and now I do improv like almost every day. Uh, it just, the community is so so amazing and the energy when you're with people uh, and you're so present with each other and you're creating something together like you're building a whole world together in every single scene it is so like oh my god and you never felt anything like it before it is um is really really wonderful to be a part of and be with people in that yeah you know i i can appreciate that um because uh, when I was in college and I'll never forget freshman year going to um, the uh, improv comedy troupe on campus, don't tell Anna at Xavier university and <laughs> just being like, I want to be a part of that. Right. Um, you know, like, like you Topher, I can relate. I thought it, I was funny. Um, you know, I still think I am, but obviously my jokes have now become dad jokes and everything like that. But, you know, for me, it was the connection. Right. And it was just seeing the smoothness. Right. This, uh, and and just being like, how are they thinking on their feet that quickly? How are they creating a scene from just one suggestion from the crowd or, you know, from a certain exercise? It was like problem solving in a way that I've never seen that before. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we uh, when I auditioned the first time freshman year, I didn't make it. But sophomore year, when I did make it, it was like we just spent so much time together. Right. And it was almost like you hear this with uh, sports teams all the time, right? Where the athletes just hang out and they build that rapport and everything. And I felt like that the more that we were like that, the more um, we performed better. 
But this also goes back to, I think, Daniel, something you were saying. It actually taught me how to be vulnerable with those people in the sense where when I think about the lack of drama that I had in college, I mean, the only places where there was a lack of drama was in the improv troupe because <laughs> we knew how to be real with each other. And, you know, like we couldn't bring that to the stage. Otherwise, our shows just sucked, you know, so um, <clears throat> there's definitely with that. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and, and Topher, giving you a, a chance to, to share a little bit of your story, right? Because you wanted to be funny, right? But what, what instead of like stand up or other like forms of comedy, like what drew you to the improv realm? Um, so I think, uh, I mean, I watched Who's Line uh, as a kid growing up and that was my, like, I thought that was the only thing that improv was. I didn't know anything else about improv. And I took, uh, I, I took a theater class in high school that like was a, a nice theater class, but like really all we were doing was we played a lot of improv games and my teacher basically let me run the class because I knew the most games from Who's Line. Um, and that was like all I did with improv really. I didn't really do anything else. Um, and then um, I think one day, I, like I've, I've loved stand-up my whole life and I've, I've wanted to do stand-up. I've written like a bunch of, of sets and things like that, but uh, it also takes a lot of courage to go up there by yourself and do that. And uh, I just kind of never did it. And I always talked about doing improv and Baltimore had a uh, a, a group there, the Baltimore Improv Group that was doing a lot of stuff. And I think one night they had an open mic and I was like, oh, well, try that. Uh, and it, it was like for improv and stand-up, you could do either. And I went up and I did like five minutes of stand-up and it was like a lot of fun. Uh, and then I was like, that was terrifying. I'm never doing it again. And my wife, Frankie, just was tired of hearing me like talk about how cool it would be to do improv or stand up, and just bought me uh, the class, the one-on-one class as a birthday present one year. And I, so I started taking it and then broke my leg like uh, two weeks into the class and was like, Oh, I can't go to the class anymore. So I like stopped doing the class and they were going to let me take it again at a later point. And that's when I came into one-on-one and I was with Daniel and I was like, Oh, okay. Like, I'm so glad that I, I'm not like glad I broke my leg, but I'm glad that I ended up here because this is the, the group that I was definitely meant to be with. Um, but yeah, the, the stand up thing I think was like, there was a huge amount of vulnerability um, because I, again, was thinking I have jokes, my jokes should be front and center. I should be able to get my stuff in and improv is like, no, no, no. It's not about like, coming up with the best joke it's about listening to each other and working together as a team and so I had to put those jokes that I had on the back burner to become a better listener uh and I'm still trying to do that uh I still think I'm I struggle with that but um yeah I think that um the yeah, the listening aspect, I think, has really been the huge, the biggest thing for me, because um, uh, it's definitely like Daniel said, if you don't, um, if you don't work together, then it's not going to go well. If you're not vulnerable with each other, it's not going to go well. And um, that vulnerability of like, oh, I'm going to put my stuff on the back burner really kind of helped me, I don't know, be a part of the team better. Yeah. So 
what's interesting is, is I, I was hearing the three of you describe it, you know, all I could think about was, right, like, okay, right, we all work in, well, not all, but, but we've probably all worked in some type of organization at some point. And there's like, there's the leader, there's the people that the follow the leader, blah, blah. So how much of improv is, you know, just following the blueprint? Like if you were working at McDonald's, right? There's a way to do everything at McDonald's, right? How much of it is someone taking leadership and how much of it like is following, right? And how much like, right? So is there, you know, is it follow the blueprint to a T? Is it leading and following? Is it collaboration? Is it all the above? Like, you know, can someone jump in and speak to that a little bit? There are so many different answers to that question. Um, the first is like, when you're learning improv, you pro- you follow more of a prescription, more of like, uh, well, the way, specifically the way we learned it too is um, through you're playing a specific game. So you find out what the game is and you try to hit that game three different times. And in between you either rest it or you explore it and heighten it. So there are tools you can use um, that are really helpful if you stick to those tools when you're uh, starting off as an improviser. Um, and then as with most things, like you learn the rules so that you can break them. And when you get more advanced, you, you expand on that, you learn different types of improv, you throw in your own touch, you know each other, you, you know it's gonna work no matter what you do. Um, then you start to branch off into uh, your own thing. And also everyone, um, a different answer to that question is that everyone improvises differently. So some people um, are inherently leading a scene more often, they'll come in very strong and then someone has to come in and respect that and they have to respect each other. Um, And some people uh, are more likely to be supportive instead of coming in and saying, this is my idea. And and that's, those are both very valid and important to have in in a troupe. Yeah, it's a very interesting question. I've never, I guess, thought about it this way. I mean, if you, everything can be explained. Uh, so but in every scene, in every set, like there are certain guidelines and rules you can follow. Uh, and I guess maybe should follow because, I mean, they're the blueprints to success, essentially. I mean, Jen is completely right. We, we can break those rules and we can, you know, kind of, bend them a little bit but in every scene and this goes to what I was saying earlier that like if you're someone who's like logical and wants to think about something in a logical way like improv is very much that uh every scene wants to the hard part is just figuring out what it is like I don't want to reveal the secret sauce too much but uh like let's say there's a scene between Jen and I and Jen is um the very unusual person in the scene uh she establishes herself as that like she has some uh, unusual belief or unusual characteristic i as a improviser should be able to pick up on that okay jen's made a bit like some very unusual choices so i would uh, rules would say i should either be um the the straight man the the it's like hey jen what's going on are you okay like everything you're saying is very unusual or i should double down and like okay she's unusual i have to be even more unusual in the same way she was and then we would just continue to heighten and heighten and heighten 
Um, but yeah, that's, that's a very interesting question that I think I'm going to think about more often is how much of it is just following a blueprint and how much of it is up to creative interpretation. Um, I definitely think that Jen's point of like, yeah, learn the, learn. So learn the rules so you can break the rules is great because right now we're, we've started doing like the past couple, the past year because of uh, COVID we've been doing improv online and we have wanted to do more narrative stuff like uh, telling like one singular story throughout uh, a set and um, our amazing coach, uh, Kim Alou, uh, who's an amazing improviser, she uh, has helped us put together what we were calling like a form or a format for our like movie that we're putting together. And um, sometimes we are so like we get this we have this little outline that we always put in the chat that says like, you got to hit this step, then this step, then this step. And we get, I think sometimes we get so in our heads, at least I do, um, that we stick so much to that, that we're not like having fun or, or getting to know the characters. We're just focusing on the plot. And so the, the saying that, that Kim has always said is F the plot or uh, F the plot, F the form when uh, you need to, uh, because sometimes you don't like, sometimes sticking to that format so rigidly is what's going to bring the scene down and let make it drag. Yeah. You, you know, um, I definitely appreciate that too, because I think that there were times, right, um, where I remember performing where you could see someone like, I don't wanna say losing it, but kind of, you know, getting stuck in a rabbit hole of a scene, right? And like, as a, a, a fellow player, you had to be aware of how you could pull that person out, right? You had to somehow, figure out a way to, to bail that person out. And there were simple cues, right? It was reading body language. It was knowing like phrases. It was learning how to pivot, you know, uh, um, which can be very hard, especially if there's momentum and you're building on laughter and getting caught up in the crowd. Um, I think that's key. There's a lot of phrases you guys have been throwing out, which, you know, for our, our listeners, they might not understand it. Like Jen, you mentioned game, right? Can you explain like what games are? you know, exactly, um, you know, just kind of the, the, ter the basic terminology that comes with improv. Okay. This is, um, it's a funny question because game, some people are like, ooh, the elusive game, like, what is it? Um, I think of it for myself, um, I have boil it down to following what's fun in the scene. Um, and that to me is like a, a very delightful way to think about it because you're really just looking for, um, what is funny? What's making you guys laugh? What's making the audience laugh? And then you boil that down to like, okay, this is a character who, um, who believes that containers need to be the same size because they like to control things. And you like, this is the game that you're playing. And then you say, okay, how can we explore why they like control? How can we throw them into a scenario where they don't have control and see how they react? But, but the, you're playing with a very, a certain thing. Um, and that's the game. It's, it's, uh, normally is what's unusual in the scene. Awesome. Other thoughts from the, the, the rest of you guys? That was a great explanation of it. I'm glad I didn't have <laughs> She to just nailed it. She's... Yeah, Jen nailed it in one. There you go, started, there you go. We started working on game in like 201. Is that correct, mm -hmm. I think? Um, or re That's really when I feel like we started mentioning it. Um, and I think it took me... Uh, 
the first like three or four classes to understand exactly what was meant by game. Cause it, it just kept getting said. And I was like, huh? I like monopoly. Like what? I, I really didn't get it, but uh, yeah, the Jen did a perfect job explaining it. So, so there was another thing too, Jen, you mentioned it, and this is for everybody, but um, you know, what is the crowd going to laugh at? What is the crowd into? Right. So, you know, you're going into a show um and uh uh how do you read the crowd like are there things you do initially before the show starts um i mean obviously as the show goes along you'll you'll be able to pick up on some of that stuff but how do you read the room like and, and know that you can connect with them or is it just pure old luck it's been so long since we've done live shows that it's it's hard to um but i mean they they do so coming up in classes and i think I think I remember how to do it. Uh, usual big things that usually get a laugh are like clear, distinctive choices. You don't want the audience to be like, well, what does that mean? What are they saying? Uh, so big, oh, like physical movement or strong emotional choices. Like if I can come out and clearly illustrate why my character is sad or upset or angry, like within a line or maybe two, that's usually like getting the audience to be like, okay, I understand why they're angry. And then like my troop mates will be like, okay, how can we make Daniel's angry character more angry or less angry or what sort of humorous situations can we throw him into that hopefully the audience will pick up on. I also think that uh, callbacks are like a huge thing in improv like if uh if I think anytime the audience can see where like they can start to see our gears turning and they can see oh I know where he got that from uh or oh they said that in the last scene or whatever um I think that's what to use a wrestling term makes the crowd pop uh it really like gets them excited because they're like there's something just fun about callbacks I think like for example we had um uh, there was one show that we did that was, it was a 12 hour improv show with like every, every 20 minutes, there was like a different team coming on. And the idea behind the show was that everything was happening in the same universe. So it was like the MCU for improv. And so like, I got there, like I, I was in, I was only in like one or two of the, the sets, but like, I would, was there most of the day. And a lot of people that were there were there for a long time. And they would, there was like an established uh, hole in the ground in the very first scene. And like that carried on throughout all 12 hours of the show to where like, if it might not get mentioned in one scene, like a couple scenes later, uh, somebody would just very casually step around the hole not even say anything about it, but the crowd would be like, yeah, the hole's back. <laughs> like, it, I think that really, that gets, at least for me as an audience member, that's one of the things that really excites me is seeing like, like they care about the continuity of the world that they're putting together and it makes me invested. Yeah, Topher, since you mentioned it, I, I have to ask, uh, knowing your love for wrestling and um, sorry if this is a point of tension between you and your other uh, players, but like, <laughs> <laughs> because you love wrestling how like and, and 
you know, because originally when we wanted to have you on the show, I know I wanted to talk a little bit about wrestling, but, you know, uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about wrestling and feel free everyone to just ignore it. But uh, how much do you feel like improv and wrestling are tied together? Oh, it's huge. Um, it's like, uh, for those who don't know, uh, professional wrestling, it is uh, scripted. They know who's going to win the matches. Yep, I'm sorry to first anybody. You, you know, Topher, now uh, Matt and I are going to have to, at the beginning of the show, to say, at this minute, you're going to have to turn down the volume so you just don't really anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, like, telling kids about Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> oh, but, now we're really going to have to. No, yeah, no, she's <laughs> sorry. Wait, oh, Santa's no, not kids, real. What? All the kids that were wanting to listen to a nice show about improv. Um, <laughs> but so they know who's going to win. But everything else is kind of up to those two performers to get to that point and to get, they know the end point and they need to get there. Um, in improv, it's kind of the reverse. Like we know the starting point of a word or a sentence or a phrase, and then we have to extrapolate from there. And so uh, with wrestling, I have a lot of friends who are wrestlers and I love watching them like I've, I've sat there in the crowd uh, before shows, like helping set up and stuff and watch them go through matches together and kind of like start to plan things out. But a lot of the time it's literally just in the ring, like, okay, the crowd reacted to this. Um, like you mentioned, like kind of going off of what the crowd's reacting to. If the crowd reacted to uh, some wrestler, uh, like doing a certain move, they, they might hit that move again because they know it's going to get a bigger reaction because the crowd's like, yes, we want to see that. Like the crowd will chant like one more time if he's like hitting him with the chair or something. And so there is like an element of improv to it uh, where they have to figure out, okay, how am I going to get the audience to react and how am I going to tell a coherent story um, with like, we have the benefit of words for most of the time. Uh, and we do use our bodies in a lot of ways, but like wrestlers, they aren't using, for the most part, aren't using their words um, and just have to tell their story through that physical uh, medium. So yeah, improv is definitely huge in it. And I've like, uh, I've watching wrestling, I think has made me better at improv. Um, and then doing improv has helped me like better appreciate what wrestlers are doing in the ring. So, so with that, and, and here, I'm going to bring it back now, right? So like what I love about what you said with wrestling is, you know, the end point, it's just how you get there. And that's like the great thing about a lot of movies that have predictable endings, but we still enjoy them because it's like, all right, how do they arrive at that, that final conclusion? And you mentioned with improv, you have a starting point, but like, how, how does that, how, how do you know when a scene has gone long enough, right? Like, how do you know that you're not beating the dead horse, that you're not stretching it beyond, like, how, and this goes back to reading the room, right? Like, when do you guys know that it's time to end the scene? If someone finds out, they could tell us, that'd be great. We'd love to, <laughs> we'd love to know that. Do you feel like that's the hardest thing uh, uh, about improv is knowing, like, how to bring things to a conclusion? It's, it is, it is a hard thing. I don't know if it's, it's, it's just, I think it's, I don't know. We, we've had shows. I'll, I'll chalk it up to when we have shows where, I don't know, maybe it's not clicking as much as it usually does. Or for, if I'm feeling like, I don't know where this is going. I'm not sure what choices people are making. 
that's usually the, the those scenes or those sets where it's hard to because you're really at the mercy of your teammates. Like if I'm in a scene that's going too long, I'm just like, somebody please cut. <laughs> um, but it's the, the, the shows where we're like firing on all cylinders and uh, I know exactly what's going on. I know exactly what fun stuff I want to insert. Uh, those are the ones where the, the, the age old improv adages, you can never cut a scene too early, right. uh, but you can stay too long. And, and the adage, the, the, the thought, thought behind that is you can always come back. You can always, if there's two characters that are getting huge laughs and you cut it too early, you can always bring them back. And it's sometimes the audience will be like, oh, yay, they're back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a good. huge, I definitely agree with that. Is it is, uh, you should always edit, edit the scene if you're, when in doubt, or like you can normally feel it in your body. So when we're on stage, um, we normally run across the stage to edit and uh, you can feel it sometimes. <clears throat> when you're like your foot wants to move forward, you're like, now's the time to go. And you hesitate because you feel like you're cutting off their scene. You feel bad about it. But anytime you have that feeling, um, we've had teachers tell us like, go, that means go, do not stop it. Because um, like Daniel said, like you can always bring that scene back and it'll be even more delightful the next time. And um, like you said, like we're normally relying on each other to edit our scenes. You, we normally don't edit your own scene. So you're counting on your teammates to call that. You, and there are like some tools you can use. Some people say like three minutes is a good scene. Sometimes you have a form that will say like, do this scene for one to two minutes. Sometimes you, you can say that you should, if you're playing a game, you should hit it three times and that's when you edit, but you really have to feel it out. I mean, we could have a 30 second scene and it could be amazing. And mm. the fact that you edit it after 30 seconds is what makes the scene so amazing. So you, it's, you have to feel it when it's time. It's awesome. That's awesome. You know, um, with uh, feeling out like, you know, when to end the scene and everything like that. And um, obviously there are times where the show is, is running smooth on and all and end on all cylinders, but those, those rough scenes or say, you do come in a scene too early and it maybe hurts the ego of another teammate. How do you guys deal with conflict um, on and, and off the stage? Like uh, how do you guys work through that? So that, you know, um, going back to, I think something Topher was sharing where, you know, you have the one person that comes in thinking I'm the funniest, I'm the lead, I'm the star of the show. Right. Like how do you guys manage egos, conflict, tension, and all that kind of stuff, especially since rhythm and, and communication is so key um, in improv. I mean, I, I think luckily we have all been together so long that there, I, I don't get a sense that we're, I mean, I, I could be the one, I could be the problem <laughs> of the group and I don't, I don't see it. Uh, I, I don't get a sense that our egos are, are conflicting anymore. Um, we all sort of know each other's rhythms and we all sort of are, agreeable to them um but if we have I I feel like we all do a good job of wanting what's best for the team um and not at least I get the sense that none of us are prioritizing themselves over because that's it's it's really a a death uh, nail in the coffin if, if you are only interested in yourself like improv is one of the most group oriented things you can do um, and to think about yourself is just, I don't know, selfish. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it, um, 
even even from like the beginning i think that uh, it, us as a group we had always if any if there were any like bad feelings uh it was on our own end of feeling like we stepped on somebody's toes or we dominated the scene too much or we cut somebody's scene early it was never like they didn't let me get my joke in because like Daniel said, we were all trying to do something for the better of the team or even when we were in class together, just doing it for the better of the class. Um, and so I think that like, yeah, it, um, the ego, sometimes the ego needs to come out a little bit, but I think it could come out more letting uh, people uh, having the confidence to say, okay, this is the time to cut because I have something that will contribute and add to it or uh, something like that. I feel like just talking about <laughs> talking about ego is funny because you do need to have confidence in your scenes. Uh, a scene is going to be way better if you believe that you're in it, but, but you, I think you need to let go of your ego so much when you're improvising because there's huge part of improvising is making mistakes. And normally when you make a mistake on stage, it is so funny and joyful. Mm. And if you laugh at your mistakes, um, everyone's good. It's, it's so much fun. Like it's part, it's going to happen. You embrace it and you work it into the set somehow. And it's, and it's sometimes the mistakes are like more funny than when you're nailing everything. And it's so much, it's so good to be able to be like, oops, I called you the wrong name. And then you just like make up some reason why that person has two names. And it's, and it's just, you move on. Um, and that happens a lot, like where somebody might forget where you were or something. And um, the biggest thing is clear communication. Uh, you, because the audience sees it sometimes when that happens and they might remember it and you just be like, well, well, you know, you, these two characters just need to talk to each other and be like, this is where we are. And, uh, and it's always, it's always fine. Always communication. Yeah. So, so I'm sitting here, right. And, and we're, we're thinking about uh, what life is like on the stage and how we're putting ego aside and how we're being extremely vulnerable and how sometimes the mistakes can turn into, you know, some of the artistic gold. Have you guys found though, that what you've learned is starting to show up or apply in your personal lives? Mm. Uh, I, I, I think improv has definitely made me a better listener. Um, and I mean that in almost every facet of my life, uh, relationships and, and the such it's, you really, uh, I, I, it's hard to explain with improv, almost anything could be a juicy nugget uh anything could be any anything a person says you could like latch on to um and it's it's sort of like that just with everyday conversation like if you're having a conversation with a, a co-worker or something and they mention something you just you you latch on to certain things and you with improv some that that mundane conversation you have with a co-worker an improv could turn into like something magical uh and we get to do that every week but with your coworker, you might not get to go down that magical path of like all right let's explore this weird thing you introduced um but knowing that that's there with every conversation sort of just makes you more interested in the conversation you're having and makes you a better listener at least for me 
Yeah. Um, it is like in those conversations and stuff, improv, because we're so, uh, we've now spent so much time finding the comedy, being able to recognize what's funny. It is really delightful to like, be able to see those little things more often in life and you can, um, point them out and it's fun wherever you are. Um, but to the point of listening, I, I feel like improv has changed the way I communicate so much because you have to be really clear in a scene of like, this is what I'm feeling, or this is what I, this is where we are in this scene because you're starting with just two of you on a stage and you need to define everything that's going on around you and you need to be clear about it. And um, so often when people communicate, they're like not really saying what they wanna say. And so I've mm -hmm. had conversations where people will say, you, whatever um your room isn't clean you're like what you're really saying is this and and you really like it's about nailing down what a person is trying to say and improv has given us a lot of practice on that because you're trying to get to the meat of of what's really you're really talking about uh, that's a good point Genevieve yeah <laughs> you're welcome I love the positive affirmation, by the way. This is great. <laughs> we, do that, we do that a lot as a team. Like mm. for, for birthdays, we usually get together and just like affirm each other. Whoever the birthday boy or girl is, we'll just be like, we'll just We're saying this is birthday is tomorrow. Oh yeah, my birthday is tomorrow. Okay. Is, it big, is it because it's just cheaper than buying a gift <laughs> affirmation? Is that? Um, yeah. And I'll take a, I'll take a positive affirmation over uh, a world's best improviser mug any day. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Damn it. I have to return Dude. that mug now. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the improv there. By the way, without giving the date away, right? Uh my birthday's tomorrow. Oh my gosh. Wow. Oh my gosh. I just feel like we have to just break into song right now and sing happy oh, this birthday. Is beautiful. Well, birthday bros. Yeah, there you go. There you go. We, we're going to need to exchange affirmations tomorrow. Okay, well, yeah, we'll do that. Matt, I will send you your affirmation tomorrow. It, you might have to, um, you know, it, it might be a little late because mail has been kind of slow these days, you know, in our neighborhood, but I'll talk to Esther and make sure um, <laughs> that you receive that um, for sure. But uh, awesome. Awesome. Well, well, one, one of the things I, I picked up in here, right, because there was so much gold in the answers you guys just gave is the notion of being more interested than interesting. Mm. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. That's a nice way to phrase it. Amazing that you say that because I've had teachers say that, like, that is what, that is a, a big key in improv. Yeah. Wow, we just had a moment. So, um, you know, <laughs> I'm just trying I, to figure out how to, Matt just ended the scene right there. That's the apparently problem. I'm terrible at improv. No, 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 no. it's good, it's good. It but um, go ahead, Topher. I think that like the interested versus interesting is, is something that I'm like, I think again, have been talking about, like, I want to get better at listening and want to be better at supporting my teammates and those around me. And I have told people, I've told people this multiple times, but like I have people in my life who have listened to me ramble about the things that I love, whether it be wrestling or improv or comic books or whatever. And improv has definitely given me the opportunity to, like um, Jen said, putting the ego aside and trying to um, just be that sounding board for other people. If, if like somebody comes, like I love playing 
the voice of reason in a scene because if somebody comes in and they've got an idea for some weird shit they want to do like i want to be able to just be like uh, a, a, a wall that they can just bounce stuff off of and really have fun with it and try to be that for other people um i think improv has definitely made me better at that uh just in like we've said in life in general there's so, some oh go ahead jen there's some um you know, to all of these points like there's sometimes when someone comes in with a great idea and you honor it and there's sometimes when you like speaking to when you feel stuck in a scene some people when they're feeling stuck feel inclined to like throw in this big plot twist or this big th surprise thing that's happening and that can work but it is so much more fun to play with something that's already there to to look at the way uh, the expression on someone's face and call out why are you why are you feeling like this or to speak to the way they said a specific word like any tiny detail that you can pull out uh, is going to be way more fun to play with than like throwing in this big surprise that came out of nowhere because you can feel it you're like this this is fine but it doesn't really make sense and if you can find the little tiny thing that's already there um, it is so funny to call that out in another person and um, to play with like what's already in the scene. Um, yeah. There's another saying that's like, you don't need to look for anything. It's all, it's all already there. Um, and it's makes it so much easier. So. Yeah. It's just like genuine curiosity. I, it's, it's, it's all, this has been a great conversation for me. I'm just like mm -hmm. linking so many things in my head. It's just, with any conversation and with any scene, it's just having genuine curiosity for the other person. And the best scenes are the ones where I feel like we're building something, we're creating something new. And, and then it's just after that, it's an open to interpretation. We can go into any crazy avenue we want. And to me, I feel like in everyday conversations, I feel the most connected with people when there's that mutual respect and that mutual curiosity of like, okay, I, I just am, I want to learn more about you. And I, I, I don't know, this is all, this is a great conversation. But, you know, and, and, and I, I love it too, because it reminds me just how important inner relationships, right? Um, going back to the word, Daniel, you were using vulnerable, right? But also taking those risks, throwing something out there. You know, how many times have we had thoughts, feelings, ideas in our head, and we're afraid to put them into reality because of how people will judge them? Where one of the big rules in improv is, right? Like there's no judge, there's no shooting that down. You, you have to roll with it. You have to explore it. You have to peel it back. And it almost makes me wonder, you know, especially with all the difficult conversations we've needed in this world, if, if we took those principles and applied that, how much that would really help us, you know, come to resolutions, come to peace and, and, and find that for sure. Um, what Before we get into a couple of our quick rapid uh, questions, uh, just one last question. And, and, you know, Matt had asked you guys earlier, you know, how you use the, these principles in everyday life. So kind of reversing that question, right? Like, how um, Tover had mentioned wrestling and how that's influenced improv, but like how has the relationships you've had with uh, family, friends, partners, and everything like that, like influenced your improv and, and kind of follow up question to that is what are their uh, feelings about what you do? Are they huge fans? Have they showed up to a show and been like, I don't get it. You know, like uh, 
tell us a little <laughs> bit about the relationship that you have with family and friends and, and relationships that in, influence uh, what you're doing. Um, my family is a huge fan. They are, um, <laughs> <laughs> they watch most of our shows. Um, if we're, if it's in person, like they were probably all coming, which is awesome. It's amazing. They don't always get it. They don't always get what's funny, but they, they love it anyways. And they're just like happy to see us happy because we as a troop are so happy to be together every time we're on stage. Um, and wow, your, your life influences you like in a scene so much because um, if you're grounded in a scene, which is really important to like stay grounded and be realistic, you're bringing everything, like all your experiences are part of who you are. Um, and that is, it is really cool to pull from something that's real versus making something up because it, the, the little details are there. Uh, so there's some like exercises where you can come in as a character that's based on a person that you know um, so if I were to play my brother in a scene, then I would pull in like his uh, general personality, but I would also probably pull in a couple of phrases that he says, or like the way he opens a uh, milk and pours it into a glass. Like there's very specific things that you can use to build a character that you wouldn't, that are hard to make up. And so if you pull from like real life and a real person, it is so fun. So, so cool. So hold on, when you pour milk in a scene mimicking your brother, Tommy, which by the way, everyone, Jen and I know each other uh, from way back too, but yeah. when you are imitating Tommy pouring milk, does he say, oh crap, she's <laughs> making fun of how I pour milk? Like, is that a distinct way that um, he pours milk like that? They, they normally don't know. They normally don't know that I'm referencing them, but if they did, um, it's delightful to see someone actually mimic you. It's funny. Well, if you want to keep this a secret, we'll edit that part out so your family does not know <laughs> that you're watching them. As well, and I'm, I'm uh I'm picturing Chris. I I I like I'm I'm sitting here. I'm like, how the heck else do you pour milk? And I'm thinking of, like the salt bay dude, like you know, just like from like way up high and, and hoping it, like gets into the cereal. <laughs> there, there you go. There's a there's a new bit for you, like uh, milk pouring classes for you, you guys. There you go. But um, uh, how about the rest of you guys, family and influence? Um, I think part of your question was how how does outside relationships play into improv? And I'm sure that's you could have a whole psychology course about that. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I my first thought was to go back to childhood. And I think I was always I, I'm sure I could explain this somehow, but I was always a very silly, weird kid. And I had like just in terms of like family dynamics, I would always try and make whatever was happening I would try and turn it into a silly thing um so I that's I do see that when I'm in a scene or a set with you guys uh I will just I'm always looking and it's, it's conditioning it's training it's I'm always looking for that funny thing um but in terms of like I mean I will I will offer I I I I, I sort of have this um what's the word? I don't know. Anxiety is the best one. Like, I don't want to be that pushy, like, Hey, I have this improv thing. Please come, please. I, I need, but, um, I do offer it to people in my life, friends and family. Um, and I'll sort of, if you're there, you're there. If you're not, that that's, that's okay. Um, I don't know if I, either of you have that, uh, yeah. same feeling. Well, I can identify with that. And, and 
right? We're sitting here today talking on this podcast. And like, even there, you know, you, you, you like, you drop it, but you don't necessarily, you're like, oh, did you listen to the episode this week? You know, what can you tell me about it? So I, I get exactly what you're talking about. You, you know, when you're pouring yourself into something, you get like, you're walking this line. Like, is it for me? Is it for other people? How do I bring people into it? And I think there's just an organic nature about it. Um, mm. You know, and, and to Jen's point, like my dad's, you know, my, my dad sends me notes after every episode, right? My mom heard the Mother's Day podcast and we had a follow-up phone call yesterday and, you know, it was interesting to her to, to see things from my perspective, right? So, so in reality, right, we're doing these things and, and hoping that other people get something from it. And in between it all, right? We're just getting to pour into something that we're passionate about. Yeah. I, that's, that's interesting. It's like, what, what motivates you to do something? Um, I feel that my, the majority of my motivation is playing with you guys. Uh, and I, I don't know. And I, when I to continue being a member of now stuff, it's, it's more you guys now than it is, yeah, I mean it's still improv, but it's it's I don't I don't know what I would do if I didn't get to see you guys anymore. Um, but it's yeah, I, I I'm not so much. I mean I it would be fantastic if the world appreciated our comedy, but uh, that's if that if that never happens, then I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm more just I want to play with my friends. <laughs> that's awesome, Topher. Um, and like going back to the like influences from the outside world, I die in most of our sets. So I don't really know. I don't know what that says about my outside life. Uh, but I think like one of my favorite things to do in improv scenes, which I, I don't know if that's like, it, I don't think it's recommended to do, but I like, I am very much a, a pop culture person. Like I love TV shows, movies, comic books all that stuff and i i love talking about it and i want to talk about it in a very specific way like i'm not a a fan of disney movies i'm a fan of a goofy movie uh and so like in scenes i love making just super deep cut obscure pop culture references and like nine times out of ten they do not hit with anyone in the audience but that one time that it does hit with that one person they are laughing loud enough for me to be really happy that we did it. Um, like it, it, I think when you make those deeper cut references to something that somebody really, really like identifies with, like people generally can identify with liking Disney, but like there's a very few select people who a goofy movie is their favorite Disney movie. And so like, like referencing something like that in a scene or a set um, I think is really fun for me because you can see there's like it it pops certain people in the crowd uh, in a really fun and special way. Uh, but like as far as like getting uh, how our, our my family and friends react, um, I mean I've always I've like performed in a lot of different capacities. Like I've I've done music um, and I've uh, like 
done a podcast for a little bit and, and things like that. And so I've never really had a problem of like throwing events or things out there that I'm doing and telling people, Hey, you should check this out. But I, I kind of got uh, some of my friends who have been doing improv for a lot longer than us have said things like at a certain point, you just kind of throw up the announcement of the show and just, just hope people come. If they don't come, that's fine. Some people improv's not their thing. And some of my friends and family improv's not their thing. Uh, similar to Genevieve, my family is, they're very big supporters. My wife's a big supporter. Um, my mom would always say this thing after every show, she would come, her and my dad would come to like most of our shows live. They would, my mom would always say, um, I think it's really neat how you, and then she gives like the most basic word for word definition of improv. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, mom, that's, that's improv. That's what, we, that's what it is. What it is. <laughs> like, that's neat. And I'm like, oh, thanks, thanks, mom. Um, so yeah, I definitely think kind of like Genevieve, there's times where uh, our family or friends might not get it, but uh, they're just, they're just there to, to support us and they love us. Um. Oh God, I'm like, uh, like, I'm just living in it with you guys right now. So like, I'm, I'm almost at a loss for words, but I think we're going to move to some rapid questions. Um, and, and Topher, I think you may have answered the first one already. Um, but if, if there's anything else you have to add to this, uh, please feel free, but, uh, I'll start with Daniel. Um, and everyone can answer this question. Uh, Daniel, what inspirations or, 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 what inspirations from the past or present or whatever, what, what's inspired you to do improv? Uh, well, I always had an appreciation for comedy. I always loved stand up. Um, I listened to like George Caro and um, Bill Cosby growing up. Um, it's, and that's always, I had such a deep appreciation for comedy because I saw in my personal life, how, I guess I had adults in my life that liked it and I saw how much joy it brought them. So I was like, Ooh, I could be funny and I could make adults happy, I guess. This speaks to internal me a little bit. (laughs) I was supposed to my current, yeah, my current uh, inspiration to keep going now that I'm already in it um, is the connections that you find with with your teammates is so exciting and you just want to build on that more and more and more and uh the energy in a set and when you mess something up you're like man i really want to get that down next time and it inspires you to keep going and you see if you're watching improv like i watch improv and i see people do like some really really cool stuff and i'm like yes i want to be doing that too and you just want to get better and better and um do more and more of it uh i'm kind of the same as daniel uh like comedians and and watching things like whose line really kind of reeled me in uh Bo Burnham is like a huge one for me because he does stand up in a way that is very theatrical and performative uh much more than just standing there and doing stand like telling jokes which is also very entertaining as well but um I think that that performative aspect is definitely there and uh from like a fear perspective like I like improv over stand-up sometimes because I have people around me to help support me if uh, my jokes bomb. Um, second question. Uh, it, and I'm, I'm simply asking this for a friend. 
Uh, what advice would you have for someone who's considered doing improv in terms of getting into it and uh, where can they join? Do it, do it. You won't regret it. It's a, the, you've never done anything like it in your life and it will change your life and it will be amazing. Um, we, our home theater is Highwire Improv and you can go to their website they don't have a full curriculum yet because we just formed six months ago, um, but there will be there's workshops and links to uh, links to theaters. But there's also right now be this huge silver lining of the pandemic is that um, you can take online classes anywhere in the world. Um, so there's theaters all over the world teaching improv and uh, so much fun to hop into international communities and meet those people and do improv with them is is amazing. So. Now's the time. <laughs> I'd also yeah, say- Yeah, I would, go ahead. All right, sorry. Uh, the, it's, with the pandemic, it's just the lowest stakes possible. Like if you're, if you're getting kind of nervous about performing in front of people, like at least for now, like you're probably still gonna be uh, on a computer. So you can kind of get that basics down while having like the training wheels of like not having to look your audience in the eye. <laughs> Uh, I would echo Jen's sentiments of just, just do it. If you have any mm -hmm. inkling of interest, just do it. Uh, the connections, I mean, it, it's, it's hit or miss. Like I, I feel so rewarded by it because I was able to meet such a lovely group of people. But if you're, if you get out of it, what you put into it. So if you put in the effort to make those connections and, you know, find those people like it's such a rewarding thing to do and when it hits like the feeling you get when we're all doing a set and it's everything's clicking and we're getting laughs and uh everyone feels like I, I can see the look on everyone's faces everyone's smiling um that oh that is just such a wonderful feeling and I I want that for everybody magic Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, uh, I feel like we could just have this conversation for another like hour, but uh, you know, it's uh, time to, to wrap this up, but um, you know, uh, we are, uh, I don't want to speak for Matt, but I will. We are instant fans of your, you, you guys, even though we have yet to see a show. And um, I know that performing is a little bit different with going more online and, and everything like that, but people want to follow you if people want to learn more about when uh you do your next show whether it's virtual or in person uh what's the best way to connect with you guys so our our biggest one is is uh instagram we have a facebook we don't really use it as much but uh at mouth stuff improv on instagram uh we are uh also on youtube mouth stuff improv and twitch uh mouth stuff improv there as well if uh Every Monday, we have Mouth Stuff Mondays. Some Mondays we, we don't, but uh, we'll always note that on our Instagram. But you can watch uh, our live shows on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, and hopefully we'll be doing stuff in person soon. We'll see. Um, we're really got our, our fingers crossed yeah. on that one. We'll see. Well, awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll be sure to include those in the show notes. And uh, for everyone who's following, uh, definitely um, – you'll want to subscribe to Between the Miles because we will let you know when uh, these guys do go live again because uh, we want to support you all. And uh, just on behalf of Matt, thank you so much for just taking some time to uh, to just uh, 
talk about life, talk about improv and, and relationships. Thank you guys so much for having us. This was really, really joyful. Yeah, awesome. thank yeah, thank you so much. Matt, another great show. Um, some some good laughs and, and actually some profound moments uh, um, from, uh, one, I just have to compliment you from some of the things that you were saying, but also uh, from from our guests. Um, but let's, let's talk about some of the takeaways. Uh, what were your thoughts and, and feelings uh, in this conversation? Yeah, I, th I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, we, we went in thinking this might be one thing. And I actually felt like uh, both ourselves, the guests and the listeners are all walking away with some pretty cool life lessons. Um, and so the, the things that I picked up um, were that uh, they were saying that, you know, how important it is to be a great listener, be present, uh, that you gotta put your ego aside and be vulnerable. Um, and, and where I really started to, you know, find a rhythm with the troupe was A, you know, they all are in improv. You had done improv. I'm very curious about improv and, and what that might look like. And so the the two things that that you know that that stood out from there is is there is leading and following, there's collaborating, there's like all of the above. But most importantly, and, and uh, this was one of the things that I, I think I added in there, but kind of to, to surmise what they were saying is just how important in our everyday lives it is to be more interested than interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, um, and, and I've always just been a fan of curiosity, right? And exploring things. And I think that's what's driven me in some of my career paths, as well as hobbies and, and things that I like to do to be interested instead of interesting. I, I think it, it is, is really just such a cool phrase. I mean, for me, what really stuck out um, was the relationship and uh, and respect that they had for one another, right? Mm -hmm. You know, just the way that they complimented each other and, you know, uh, just even what Topher was saying with the affirmations for birthdays and, and everything like that. And um, I just think that um, was a really cool moment. Um, and it just shows that in an improv setting where you're working at communication, how deep the relationships can go and how quickly they can go. And so I, like for me, that's a huge takeaway. The more I can work on communication with my friends, family, coworkers, you know, neighbors and everything like that, the deeper the relationship's gonna go and not just assuming it's gonna take place. Yeah, it, what's interesting too is when we started this whole journey, we talked about, you know, not connecting with our neighbors and, and building deeper roots and, and all of the above. And as you were describing it, you know, a word came to mind, right? So I had asked, the, you know, are you a group? Are you a troop? Are you a team? And they're like, yeah, we're kind of all the above. But I think what we uncovered is they're actually, they're, they're a tribe. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Right? They, 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 they have this shared community and there's just a difference between being in a tribe and, and all the things that come along with that. So that that was something that that you know i might not have picked up in the episode but just on your comments right there that that's the feeling i got definitely definitely yeah and, and in a tribe right you become a fan of one another you become you create this new culture this this foundation in this community and i think that's uh, definitely definitely true so so good um any other takeaways or, or thoughts that you have um that really resonated with you uh number one 
strongly, you know, strongly considering, uh, you know, what, you know, if uh, improv could be a, uh, you know, something to, you know, be a great hobby after the pandemic as, as I continue along. Uh, and then um, the other thing is, is uh, I can't wait to see a show. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait, I, I'd love to go to a wrestling event with Topher because to your point, uh, I was a casual fan but we used to have in, in Parsippany, I don't, I don't know if you know this, or it technically it was in Lake Hiawatha, which is the town I actually grew up in. Uh, there was a wrestling school right behind a convenience store. So we'd go and, and have that experience. And, and I was talking to my wife about it just a couple of weeks ago, how, how fun that was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and we could go off, uh, you know, for a couple of minutes on talking about wrestling, which it's such a fascinating world. And, and again, one of the reasons why I was chatting with Topher and, initially bring him on so maybe we'll bring him on or maybe we'll find a wrestling crew to to bring on the show eventually as well but um yeah if you guys want to learn more about um mouth stuff uh we'll definitely have all their information in the show notes uh you can just definitely check it check it out there as well as a couple of other goodies that they've shared with us um that we're excited to share with you and um as soon as a show opens up and, and everything like that um we'll definitely uh, let you guys know um but to learn more about not just uh, mouth stuff but all of our guests any of our guests feel free to go to our website between the miles.com and uh you can also follow us on social media especially facebook and instagram uh, uh continue the conversations there um and follow more of our guests as well if you liked this episode um, or any of our episodes, we strongly encourage you to go to iTunes or Spotify or anywhere this podcast can be heard and leave us a five-star review and definitely share this with your friends, your neighbors, your uh, your pet, your, your improv comedy troupe, uh, just to let um, them know about the connections that we are making. And of course, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to leave them on the website. Again, that's betweenthemiles.com or shoot us an email at info at betweenthemiles.com. But on behalf of Matt, I'm Chris, and we're slowing down, talking to the people around us, Between the Miles. See you next time. This has been a Between the Miles production. Your hosts, Chris Wesley and Matt Wells. Music provided by Jan Studio, Wide Open Road. For more information, visit our website at betweenthemiles.com.